Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Glad that y'all are with us. If you've got your Bibles, go on up to Luke uh, chapter 5. As you turn there, I know we're multitasking, but for those of us who, who are here on campus, uh, you'll see there's some cards set out on the seats around you, and that is the Stockman family. I want to kind of introduce you a little bit more to them. Uh, we are going to be working or partnering with them as they seek to plant a Hope Valley, Utah church uh, in the area of West Jordan, Utah, which is right outside of, Sa- of, of um, Salt Lake. And so I want to encourage you, grab one of these cards. I would love to see all of the cards gone. I uh, see we got some families or, or individuals sitting together in rows, which is fine. Uh, so if you don't have one, there's only one per section. There's others around you, or you can grab more as you leave. want to encourage you. We're going to be partnering with them as a church. Here's what this kind of looks like briefly before we jump into our message. Uh, we're going to be having these available so that we as a church can pray for them. As we're made aware of, of prayer requests, we're going to be sending those out so we can pray together as a church. We're going to be partnering with them financially. We're going to start uh, giving to them as a church monthly as they seek to plant their church this coming September. So financially, we're going to come alongside. And then we're also, uh, I talked to to Dustin this this past week, we're going to be sending a missions team out there to serve this summer of of mainly high schoolers and adults that are going to go and help them with park ministry uh, sometime in July so that they can really get the word out about their church because they will be planning around the first of September. So we're going to be able to come alongside them and and do that. So as a church collectively, that's how we're going to do that. I want to encourage you as a great reminder of what these cards are for. I want to challenge you. You know, the first message uh, back this year, we talked about how we as individuals can take a next step uh, in, in, in missions and do that. So you could have this card, you put it on your refrigerator, put it in your Bible, put it in your devotional, be reminded daily to pray for this church and the work that God's going to do. Maybe that's what you decide. Maybe you decide uh, above what you give here as we financially give to them collectively as a church. Maybe you'd like to be one of their monthly partners as well or a one-time gift to them. You can find that through their website, hopevalleyutah.com. Or maybe you are going to be called to go and to serve and, and to be a part of that. Right now, we definitely know of one trip that is going to be planned, but we're looking at uh, definitely over the next two years in a commitment with them to help come alongside them and, and, and provide some of the work that, that needs to be done to help them plant. And so I want to encourage you, please take these. I don't want to see them here when, when you guys leave, all right? Make sure you grab those and, and take those. Also, before we, we jump into the message, I do want to tell you on, on behalf of our family. Uh, it's been, a, it's been a, a chaotic couple of weeks for, for us with, with, with grace and surgery, um, but then also with the passing of my grandmother. And, and we've gotten a lot of, of text and emails and, and phone calls. Uh, we had her, her service yesterday, and, and it was a wonderful, wonderful time. But we appreciate um, um, all that you guys have done for us during, during this time. Um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, as I officiated the, the service yesterday, you're kind of working through your, your selfish grieving that, that I know that I'm going through, but at the same time celebrating because she's with, uh, she's with her Savior, and, and her faith has been made her sight, and, and so we're excited um, 
that, that, that uh, my grandmother is with the Lord for all of eternity. And, and as I shared in a post, uh, around my high school, senior year of high school, I stopped. We, I grew up calling her Mama. I don't know where that came from, but that's what I called her. And around my senior year of high school, uh, being the only grandson, I got away with a lot more probably than I should have. Uh, but I started calling her Margaret, which is her first name. And uh, so every time I left, I would say, see you later, Margaret. And she'd say, see you later, Bo. And, and so um, it is a good reminder for me that uh, as she's passed from, from here, that it is not a goodbye, but it's a see you later. And so I look forward to that. So thank you guys for your prayers. Um, as we're continuing on in, in Luke, chapter, Luke chapter 5, uh, we're, we're, we're looking uh, and seeing this morning some, some miracles that, that Jesus is going to perform. Now, it, it's interesting when you look at the, the span in history and in which God uh, gave for us or appointed for us to live, you know, miracles are, are kind of foreign for us. And here's what I mean. It's not that miracles don't take place in, in the way that we see miracles happening. I believe that God is working and doing a lot of things through, through healing of over, people overcoming addiction. Uh, we, we see this in diseases. We, we hear things through, through visions and dreams of what God does. So I don't want to say that God's not working in, in miracles at all. But, but like, I don't know about you, but, but I've never seen a, a sea part, right? I've never experienced uh, manna fall, fall from heaven, I've never seen uh, with, with, with some, some mud and, and spit, right? This is what Jesus did. Um, a, a blind man be given sight. I've never seen what, what happens even in the book of Acts is the, the, the apostles are given the power through the Holy Spirit to perform wonders and signs so that people could come to know Jesus, right? Like we live in a, in a different age, in a different time than, than what's there. And so it, it's quick for us to say, well, God doesn't do miracles anymore, or that God doesn't do miracles like that anymore. And so as we read through Luke chapter 5, there's, there's going to be three miracles that we're going to look at that we're going to see. And in and, and studying it this, this week, what, what I would argue is that on the surface, you are all correct and I am correct. God does not do miracles like that anymore. But as we dive in and truly understand Right, like what is the miracle that Jesus is performing? Right, what we see is no, he actually he does. He he's still doing these exact same miracles. And if you're a follower of Christ, here's what's remarkable: He's done them in your life, and He's done them in my life. And if you're not, like I want to, we're going to point to and, and kind of look at some some aspects of of hope that you can gain if your life is found in Him. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So in, in, in Luke 5, uh, it, it opens up and, and Jesus is, is preaching by a lake. All right? Now, people are getting closer to him. And so if you've ever been in a crowd and there's someone on the other side of the crowd and you want to communicate to them, even if they're quiet, you know that it's difficult, right? Because bodies stop noise, right? Mass stops it. And so this crowd has been hearing about Jesus. They're not necessarily followers of Jesus yet for some of them, but they're, they're approaching and they're, they're getting closer and, and Jesus is out by a lake. And so there's some fishermen who are there, uh, one of them is, is named Simon. He's also going to be referred to as Simon Peter, and you will come to know him later in Scripture as, as Peter. So a little real quickly for me, if, if I say Simon, 
If I say Simon Peter or if I say Peter, I'm talking about the same person in this story, all right? So, so I'm, I struggle with names sometimes, so, so just stick with me on that. But, but he says to Simon Peter, who had been out fishing all night and was, was cleaning his nets, he's like, hey, can I get out into your boat so that everyone can hear me? Which, which just a little sidebar is a really cool thing. Like what Jesus does here before the world fully knew about what we know with acoustics is Jesus says, hey, let me use the calmness of the lake water to reflect my voice. Now, how did Jesus know that, right? Because he created it, right? So that's a little, just a little cool part of, of what we see here. And so he, he, Simon Peter does this for him. And so Jesus teaches the crowds is what scripture tells us. And we don't know for how long. We don't know if Jesus got long-winded and this is for hours, right? Like, like you feel like I can do sometimes or if it's really brief. But there's a time period and, and Jesus is there and, and he is teaching. And so let's look at starting at verse four and, and read from scripture. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, remember he's already in his boat, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to, to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken." And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. So this is the first miracle. So as you look at scriptures we've read through, like, like what's the miracle? Well, on paper, like what we see when we first read that story, right? It's the miracle of catching fish, right? These guys aren't like part-time hobby fishermen. They're not out there in their bass boat trying to see who can catch the biggest fish and, and so that they can have their picture taken with it, right? This is their job. This is what they do for a living. And so when we see them at the very beginning of the story that Jesus is there and he's teaching, right, and, and the crowds are there, so he hops in the boat and, and, and they're, they're nice and gracious to him. And so they push out so that Jesus can teach, but then Jesus says to them, no, let's go even farther out. And they end up catching fish. That's not the miracle. The miracle that we see is the miracle of discipleship. It's the miracle of discipleship. Now, here's something interesting. Uh, Simon Peter and Jesus, they knew each other before this encounter, okay? They, they weren't strangers that happened to bump into each other on the lake. Scripture tells us that Jesus had been in his house and that Jesus had healed his mother-in-law. And even in this encounter, Peter refers to him as master, which is not something you would have done to someone who you didn't know. So there's a relationship that is already there. So Jesus knows Simon Peter, and Simon Peter knows Jesus. And so, yeah, it's common. Like, all right, my friend needs this help. Let me help him. But then there's a time where Jesus says, no, no, now I'm going to help you. And so he says, let's push out into the deep water so that we can catch a fish. Now, here's a carpenter 
telling a fisherman how to fish. He's frustrated. He's been out there all night, and he hasn't caught anything, which means that his family isn't going to be provided for. There's nothing to take to the market. His, his empty nets are, are, are a symbol of hopelessness. He's frustrated. He's concerned. During this time of year, the, the prime time to, to catch fish with, with nets is in the night. So he's tired. And he's come in after, after a long, hard night. And he started mending his nets and patching and, and repairing and, and cleaning so that they won't become dry rotted and break if he ever is able to go back out and, and catch more fish. But here's what I think is remarkable. In spite of Peter being frustrated, in spite of Peter being tired, what else is Peter? He's obedient. He's obedient. All right, Jesus. All right, Master, you say this. So I'm going to obey. And he goes back out in the deep water. And you know this because we just read it in Scripture. They catch fish. Now, they catch so many fish that as they're pulling them in, their nets begin to break. And so as they're noticing this, now remember there was two boats, and so there's another boat on the shore. So Simon Peter calls out, hey, bring your boat out here. And they bring that boat, and they fill them with so many fish that both boats begin to sink. Now, I'm looking out, and we've got some, some fishermen in here. We've got some people who have fished before. I would be willing to bet if you're out on Lake Murray and your boat starts to sink, it's not because there's so many fish in it, right? It's because a, a good day just got bad real quick, all right? But that's not what happened here, right? So many fish flowing out the sides, and the boat begins to sink. Now, let's say you're, you're, you're Peter. What's your response here? I mean, like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime. This has never happened before, right? He's probably thinking, man, I can pay for the new addition on our house. This is our college fund. Like, like all of this as it's pouring in right here. There has to be an amazement of the wealth that is happening. But his response isn't high-fiving because a payday's taking place. His response, look at verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The miracle hasn't even happened yet. The miracle's never been the fish. It's never been about the fish. It's been about the heart of Simon Peter and the miracle of what God is going to do. Here's the miracle. That in that moment, in that time as Simon Peter is seeing something that he has never seen before. He sees the holiness of God. And his response to that is to acknowledge his own sinfulness. I just want to tell you, church, like, like what we see in Scripture, what we see, Old Testament, it happened in Isaiah, New Testament, it happens here. That when men and women come before God and his holiness is made real to them, their response is not, look how good I am. Their response is, look how wicked I am in response to your holiness. So we see in Isaiah 6, 
It's what we see at the first of Revelation with John. And it's what we see here with Simon Peter. And so here's where the miracle takes place. Jesus' response. He says, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. And does Jesus depart from Peter? No. Does Jesus ridicule him for his sin? Does he say, you're right, you've done this, and you've done this, and you've done this. You're evil. No. Does Jesus give him a list of things to undo the wrongs that he's done, to repay and to make up for his sins? Does he say, you know, you're right, go get a sacrifice and take it to the temple? No. Jesus looks at him and the miracle happens. He says, do not be afraid, for now on you will be catching men. The heart of the disciple, the heart of the miracle of the discipleship of what God is doing, of men and women who understand who they are in light of who God is, and in spite of all that is taking place and all that is swarming around, that our life wants to be consumed with who he is, with knowing him more and obeying him with all that we have. This is what we see happen in the life of Peter. It's not about the fish. It's never been about the fish. The miracle that takes place is the miracle that God does in the heart of Peter. And it's the miracle of what God does still today. When God, in in spite of all that we have done, in spite of all that we are, is that God chooses to use us and to grow us and to say, I get it that when you're in light of my holiness, all the darkness of your heart is revealed to you, but the grace and the goodness of God says, come with me. And I'm going to do work through you. It's so remarkable to us. But it's the miracle of discipleship. You see, he's still working. He's still moving. Let's look at the second miracle. Look down at verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. So what is the miracle here? Well, you say, well, Bo, it's pretty evident. There's a guy who had leprosy, and God healed him. That's got to be the miracle, right? No, that's not the miracle. That's that's a part, that's what God uses, that's what God does, but the miracle of what we see is the miracle of relationship. It's the miracle of a relationship. So to have leprosy during the time of Christ was both a death sentence and a sentence of isolation. It was going to kill you. You weren't going to outlive it. You weren't going to get better. 
Doctors weren't going to figure it out for you. It was going to kill you. It was only a matter of time. But here's the other part. Until it killed you, you've got to go and live out in the wilderness. You have to be away from people because lepers lived outside the city in isolation because they were considered unclean. They were physically unclean, but also very important, they were spiritually unclean, which means that they couldn't enter into the temple and they couldn't worship and they couldn't provide a sacrifice. So in every single area of their life, they were considered physically dirty, spiritually dirty. If you were a a leper and you were living outside and let's say you were traveling and you were hoping to to be able to beg on the side of the road so that people could give you, literally it says that lepers beg for the crumbs, right? So it's like, are you you done with that sandwich? Like, can can I have the crust, right? This is is the depth of begging of, of what they're doing. That as people would approach them, they would have to yell as they approached, I'm a leper, I'm unclean. I'm a leper, I'm unclean. So that in their identity of who they were considered, they were marked by leprosy. Let's say you're traveling on the road and you, you hear that. And out of kindness and compassion, you choose in spite of what it will cost you to bring them into your home where they can have a meal and a place to stay before you send them on their way. And so they do that. Guess what? Now you're unclean. And let's say the next day after they've left, Someone comes by your house who didn't know what you did, and they come into your house. Guess what? They too are unclean. And you see what begins to pass down from person to person is they're all considered as leprosy begins to affect all. Luke 5 tells us that this man was was full of leprosy, so probably it was very advanced in the last stages, and he was nearing death. And so he's desperate. He wants to be healed. He doesn't want to experience this. He hasn't given up the pursuit of life. And so he comes to Jesus with a plea. And I want us to look at at his plea. He says to Jesus, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now this is really interesting. He, he, He isn't uncertain if Jesus can heal him. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He doesn't say, Jesus, can you? Jesus, do you have the ability? Jesus, are you powerful enough? He comes with with a statement of fact. He is certain that Jesus can heal him. What he is uncertain about is that if he will heal him, he feels unworthy. His whole life, He's been pushed to the side. His whole life, he's been rejected. And so why would Jesus be any different than anyone else? But he's heard of what this man can do. And so he has a little bit of hope. And so he's uncertain if Jesus will, even if Jesus can. So in verse 13, Jesus heals him. Jesus heals him. Now, In Scripture, Jesus heals many different ways. Sometimes he actually takes physical things and and uses them to heal people. Sometimes he tells them to go wash off and they're healed within that. Other times Jesus touches people and they're healed. But sometimes 
Jesus just speaks the words, doesn't touch them, and sometimes isn't even in the presence of the individual. And through the power of his word, people are healed, even brought back to life, right? That's the power of the authority of the words of Christ, that he doesn't even have to be there with you. He can speak it, and dead people, right? Their hearts don't beat anymore. They've been dead for days, and they come back to life. But he does something different. He reaches out and he touches him. Yesterday at my, my grandmother's um, service, it is, it is really cold. Like, y'all know that, right? Uh, it was cold yesterday. If you went outside, you, you felt that. Um, where we were in, in North Augusta, um, the, you know, there, were, there weren't any trees. And we were under a shaded tent, which was really not good for cold day in January, and, and the wind was, was whipping through. And so because it was cold, because of COVID, right, like everyone almost had a hat on and they had their masks on. So as I'm doing the service, it was complicated because I could only like really see like people's eyes. So it's hard to tell, like, like for the most part, I can tell if you're tracking with me because I can see you, I can see the expressions on your face. I say something that I maybe think is funny and you respond, right? So we can have some, some social interaction. So yesterday was kind of hard because you can't, you can't get that from people as you're, as you're doing this. But then after it was over with, it was the time for people who were there to, to come and speak to the family. And right, like I call it like the COVID dance that we do now, right? People you haven't seen in a while, they're like, can I hug, like fist, like what are we doing here, right? And you kind of got to figure that out. And, 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 and scientists have said that one of the most difficult things actually during COVID is that people don't touch other people anymore and that physically to be healthy, we need to touch each other. Like there's something that happens within you where, where if you haven't been touched, that, that a hug, right, can mentally make someone feel better which can relate to your physical health. And that's one of the hard parts during this is we're socially distanced that we can't have those moments, right? Now, I'm not saying leave from here and go and hug everybody, right? But it's been tough during this season. Imagine your whole life, you've never been touched. Imagine every memory that you've ever had involves people keeping you at a distance. Imagine in every single thing that happens, you've forgotten what anyone else's skin feels like. In fact, you've probably even forgotten what yours feels like as you're covered with bandages. And so Jesus doesn't speak his healing into existence. Jesus reaches down in, in the most kind and compassionate thing that he could do in this moment, and he touched him. And then he says to him, go to the priest, right? In Leviticus, it tells what needs to be done to make someone clean. He says, go and follow the law. Go to the, go to the priest and declare yourself clean. And then he's going to have to go through a process. And here's what Jesus is doing. I've cleaned you, but when you go and you profess that you've been made clean, you'll be welcomed back in the community. You'll be welcomed back in worship with God. You'll be restored of what is happening and what is taking place. Here's what Jesus has done. 
in his earthly life, Jesus has restored this man in relationship with people. But in the very moment, the miracle that he performs is he restores him in relationship with God. You see, because before Jesus cleaned any one of us through the blood that was spilled on Calvary, we were unclean. We were dirty. We suffered from spiritual leprosy. But because of the miracle of relationship through the blood that makes us clean, you and I are now brought into relationship with God. So the miracle of discipleship, the miracle of relationship. And let's look at the third miracle. Jump down to verse 18. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? that you know that the Son of God has authority on earth to forgive sins. And, but he, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he'd been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So here, what is the miracle? It's a story many of us have heard many times. Obviously, it's the healing of the man who was paralyzed, right? It's the man who, who could not walk, and we don't know for, for, from birth or, or where brought him to this position, but this is what we find, and Jesus says, get up, take your mat with you, and go home, right? But this is an easy one, but it's not about walking. It's not the miracle that we see. It's not the miracle that some 2,000 years later, God continues to work and do in the hearts of people. It's the, the miracle of forgiveness. It's the miracle of forgiveness. Four men bring their buddy to Jesus, and they get to a house. And this house wasn't big. Most houses during this time, we don't know exactly how big this house was, but most of these houses would have been like a, a, a 12 by 12, right? It's a little small, a little confined, and, and Jesus is in there. And again, the crowds are, are pressing in. And so they go up on the roof, and they literally destroy the roof. And as they do so, can you imagine what is happening and taking place? They, they begin to lower him down. Now, now, here's what I want you to do. Let, let's pause for a minute. And, and if you're here, right, you can't participate with this at home. But if you're here, I want everybody to look up right here above me. All right, nothing's going to happen, okay? But, like, what if the roof opened up, right? And we see four guys lowering their buddy down. Like, that would have been like, whoa. That would have thrown off for a moment. And we have to figure out what exactly is taking place. The exact same thing with Jesus. But look at Jesus' response. 
And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Now, obviously, Jesus would have known what's, what's going on. But he saw the faith of the men, and his response to their faith is to perform the miracle that was needed is to forgive. So what in the world is Jesus doing in this moment? Well, the scribes and the Pharisees are going to play an important part. Look at what they, they say. They began to question. As Jesus forgives sin, as Jesus forgives them, they ask two questions. It says they ask it to themselves, and Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, knew what they were saying. And they said, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Here's the thing. They're right. They're not incorrect. They're right. There's only one who can forgive sins. I can't forgive sin. You can't forgive sin. We can try our best to forgive offense and move past when we've done something to other, but eternally speaking, there's only one who can forgive sins, and it's God and God alone. So here's what this kind of brings us to. If they are correct, right, this is going to bring us to a decision that we have to make about Jesus. Historically speaking, you cannot, and I know that in here we have some of us who are followers of Christ, and in here we maybe have some of us who, who have questions. And we're trying to ask ourselves, well, well, maybe Jesus is just a good dude, right? Maybe he's just a kind, compassionate guy who was able to do some things that help people and that help the world. In fact, most world religions teach that. They teach that he was a great prophet, that he's a great teacher, that he's a great man. But based off of Jesus' words and based off of Jesus' actions, Jesus can only be one of two things. Either he is God or he's a liar. That's it. That's the decision we make today. Either he is God who deserves all of our worship and all of our surrender, who can forgive sins and forgive sins alone, or he's a loony liar. And it's the decision we've got to come to. And so Jesus says, well, what's easier? What's easier? To forgive sins or to say, get up your mat, take it up and, and, and go home. But the Son of Man came to forgive. And then he looks at the man who's paralyzed. And he says, get up, take your bed with you and go home. Jesus in that moment says, if you're going to believe me, here's who I am. I am God. When Jesus tells the man, take up your mat and go, go home, like we've seen pictures. I remember going back to like VBS days when I was a little kid or Sunday school days, right, and, and the beautiful work of the, of the flannel boards, right, you know. And you see this picture, and you see these guys lowering their, their buddy down, and, and it looks like a, an old, like, like a like cot, or like you'd see like medics in, in, in war movies carrying around to get the wounded off of, the, off of the street. That's not really what this man was on, okay? He, he was on a mat that was designed for, for him, for him to have, for him to lay on. 
And in order for this man to be provided for, to be, to be taken care of every single day, he had to have people come by wherever he was and, and pick him up and carry him out to the city streets where, again, like the leper, he would have to beg for, for, for food and for, for money. And so this would cause him, this, this map was, was that picture of that. And here's what Jesus wanted everyone to be able to see. Jesus wanted everyone to know who that guy was and to know who he is now. Have you ever bumped into someone like out of context from where you normally know them and all of a sudden you don't know them because they're not where they should be, right? Like I remember one time I was traveling to Mexico and we had a layover in Dallas, Texas. And I'm walking through the Dallas, Texas airport, and I'm passing a group of people, and I hear, hey, Bo. Now, that should not be an uncommon thing in Dallas, Texas, that people use that phrase, right? But it caught my attention, and I turned around. And I had just walked past and, in fact, made eye contact with someone that I had known at that point in time for basically my entire life. Like, we grew up together. And he was traveling from, from, from North Augusta, and so was I, but on separate planes and heading in separate directions. But when we passed each other, because it was out of context, I had no clue who he was until he said my name and we were able to engage what does this have to do with anything? When Jesus says, take up your mat and go from here, if that man would have been walking out without of his mat, there would have been people who would have seen him, but they wouldn't have associated with who he was. They wouldn't have associated with what had happened. Why? Because paralyzed people don't walk. So Jesus says, hey, people need to know the miracle of God that's happened to you. So pick up that thing that's going to remind you who you were and take it. But here's the thing. Who you were no longer defines you because I've forgiven you and I've healed you. You see the wonderful miracle of forgiveness. If you go downtown Columbia today, you're going to see people laying out on the streets. You're going to see people filled with afflictions and with struggles and with, with pain and suffering. And chances are, they're not going to get up out of their wheelchair and just start to walk. They're not going to get up off of the ground and just begin to, to work and move in their, in their life like things haven't done before. You're not going to go out onto a boat and see a miraculous catch of fish. We're not going to go out to the ocean and see the seas part. We're not going to walk out in the wilderness and experience manna falling from heaven. But you and I, we cannot be blind to the miracles of what God is performing because God performed those miracles then and God is performing those miracles today. Discipleship is a miracle of what God does as he calls us and as he uses us. Relationship with God is a miracle. It was broken, and only through the blood of Jesus Christ is it restored in no other way. None of your works is going to fix your past. Only God can. And forgiveness. Only Jesus can look at all of the offense that you and I have poured out of our lives and that we will pour out of our lives and with his words, heal it. Have you experienced these miracles? Have you experienced that call on your life? 
Do you know who Jesus is and you kneel at his holiness? Do you respond by saying, Jesus, only you can heal me and restore me? Have you responded to the miracle of forgiveness? That says, I take up who I was and I go to where you're calling me all for the goodness and for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning thanking you for the work that you've done, Lord, and the work that you're doing. Lord, I pray that in our hearts this morning, we would respond to the miracles that you're performing. Lord, for, for, forgive us where we are blinded by seeking for, for supernatural acts and in doing so, we miss the miracle of life of what you're doing. Lord, we haven't praised you for the miracle that you've done inside of us and done in others. Lord, I pray for, for, for us that are gathered here, we're gathered at home. Lord, I pray for the miracle of, of discipleship to ring in our hearts. That God, that we'll respond to you as you, as you choose to use us and, and grow us so that others may come to know you. God, I pray for the miracle of relationship. Lord, where you're res restoring those that are unclean and making us clean so that we can know God, that we can be found in relationship with him, so that we can take our lives, which were once spiritual lepers, and be made new by the touch of Christ. Lord, I thank you for the miracle of forgiveness, eternal forgiveness that cannot be passed down from a priest to a person, that cannot be earned by our good works or by the sweat of our brow. But I thank you for forgiveness that comes from you you alone. Only the Son of Man has authority to forgive. Jesus, and you do. Lord, as we respond to you in song, Lord, I pray that through the power of your Spirit, you'll search our hearts. You'll reveal to us our sin in light of your holiness that in that we'll experience your kindness Lord I pray if there's anyone here today and they're trying to decide Jesus are you a Lord are you Lord or are you a liar that today that they would know without a shadow of a doubt you are God Jesus draw us to you worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we respond to him? Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. 
We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.